This is the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, for July 5th, 2019. In this week's episode, the many uses of cookies for your browser, and Josh and Kirk do a deep dive into a number of web browsers for Mac and iOS devices. Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac Podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Okay, if there's one thing that we can say about people who use computers is that everyone uses a web browser. Do you know anyone, Josh, who doesn't use a web browser? Hmm, I got to think about that one. Um, probably not. I mean, if they're if they're using a computer or a phone, they're probably using a web Unless browser. they're really young kids and the parents have turned it off. But other than that, the web browser is probably more people use a web browser than use an email client, for example. Hmm. Yeah, I guess that's true because you've got a lot of web-based email like Gmail, for example, that a lot of people just use a browser. So there was a recent article in the Washington Post entitled Goodbye Chrome, Google's web browser has become spy software. Has become spy software? Yeah, I thought that was a pretty amusing title. (laughs) Uh, Isn't that kind of the point of Google Chrome is to kind of better track you and know where you're going on the internet? Um, Yeah. (laughs) I I think to to serve you ads, to serve you ads. Yeah. To make sure that you've got uh, Google.com is your default homepage and search engine. So, um, yeah, I think that was kind of the point of Chrome in the first place. Jeffrey Fowler at the Washington Post, technology columnist, um, he did a privacy experiment with Google Chrome. In a week, he found that there were 11,000 tracker cookies sent to his browser. Now, he doesn't give enough information about what he was doing and how this happened. Um, I have my own personal website, and it's going to set some cookies for the user. It's going to say, are you a registered user? Are you logged in? Uh, and there's a couple of other settings that it's going to to record on your device. But these aren't all tracker cookies. So it's not really clear if his 11,000 cookies were all just, you know, evil tracker cookies that are trying to to figure out what he's doing, or if many of them are just setting cookies. Right, exactly. Yeah, something to to realize is that, that, well, first of all, cookies are just like a plain text file that records some information about your interaction with a website. Sometimes it's just keeping track of the fact that you have visited before. Um, and, and sometimes it does that for fairly innocuous purposes. For example, maybe the first time that you visit a, a web page, um, they will try to, to get you to subscribe to a newsletter or something. And then the next time you visit, um, you know, may, maybe they will hold off on that or something, you know, like that. that. Those are the kind of things that sometimes cookies can be used for. Exactly. I'm guilty of that. My website has a newsletter and the first time you visit it, or if you clear all your cookies, you will see a pop-up. The Intego website does the same thing. Um, I'm a subscriber at the Washington Post. So there is a cookie recording the fact that I'm a subscriber and that I'm logged in. So they don't present me with a login screen when I click on an article. So a lot of these cookies are, as you said, innocuous. 
But still, tracker cookies, there are a lot of websites and advertising companies that use cookies to target you, to follow you around. We've talked about this a lot. So this week, we want to talk about web browsers. We're going to talk about the pros and cons of all the main web browsers on macOS and iOS. So iOS being the iPhone and the iPad today, remember that iOS 13 is going to have a separate branch called iPadOS. Presumably, we'll have the same browsers available on iOS and iPadOS, uh, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, actually, this is kind of something that um, is a side topic, but we need to have a, a new word for iOS devices because now it's we've got iOS devices becoming iOS devices and iPadOS devices. So now we kind of, how are we supposed to lump them all together? I, I'm happy to continue saying iOS devices. I think Apple technically considers that the Apple Watch is also an iOS device and even the Apple TV because they work on variants of iOS, not variants of macOS. For me, the iPhone, the iPad, and the iPod Touch will remain iOS devices. Are we agreed? Um, yeah, I, I'm okay with that. I just don't know if if Apple is cool with that. <laughs> you know, like uh, other are, are, are other people going to be still referring to the iPad as an iOS device? Because you you do have apps that are literally designed for both. You write them once, and then you publish them to the App Store, and they're available on both devices. But then you have apps that are only for one of them, either the iPhone or the iPad. Yeah. Do do you have apps that are only for iPhone now? I mean, like... Oh, I- uh, sure. I, I have... I'm going to just name one that I use here. It's called Breezometer. I'll put a link in the show notes. It is something that measures air quality and pollen levels. Uh-huh. And there's only an iPhone version. So I put it on my iPad, but I tap that little times two button to get it to fill the screen. So it's not, there is not an iPad native version. Oh, well- I think that's just lazy development because a developer yeah. could easily do a little bit of work to make sure that the screen is filled correctly on both devices. But I've seen a number of them. It's That's not the only one. Well, but that's kind of what I mean, though, that e- even if you have an, an app that's written only for iPhone, you can still actually open it on iPad. It's not the other way around. If you've got an iPad-specific app, it won't run on the iPhone. No, no, because the screen size isn't designed to reduce... And an example of that, uh, there are a number of educational apps that I reviewed a few years ago. One of them I was looking at recently is um, T.S. Eliot's poem, The Wasteland. And it's an iPad app. It has the poem. It has a number of readings. It has notes and photos and all that. And it certainly would not fit on the iPhone. So there is no iPhone version. Right. Anyway, let's, let's look at the big three, the troika of browsers, Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. It's fair to say that if you're a Mac user or an iOS user, you're pretty likely to use Safari. I would say, I don't know, do we have any numbers on this? The majority of Apple users are probably using Safari. I mean, it takes it takes an effort to make a change. Right, yeah. And, and I think um, certainly it's it's likely that most people are just going to stick with the default browser, especially if there's no real big reason for them to switch to something else. Um, maybe people who switch to Mac from Windows, for example, maybe uh, they're used to using a different browser. And so, you know, for example, maybe they, they use Chrome, maybe they use Firefox. And if they're if they're used to using that other browser, they're going to want to keep using that when they switch to Mac. That's a good example. If they use Windows at work with Chrome or Firefox, they might be more likely to use Chrome or Firefox on their Mac at home if they have one and on their iPhone and iPad. Um, because all of these browsers let you sync your bookmarks and your history. 
Safari does it over iCloud. Chrome and Firefox do it using their own sync systems. Um, so there is a kind of a platform lock-in if you're using one browser to make it very hard to want to use a different one on a different device. Right, that's true. Actually, most browsers do that now where they give you the option to synchronize your your browser history and your bookmarks and things like that across devices. Okay, quickly, pros and cons of each of these three browsers, Safari, Chrome, and Firefox, because we've got a long list. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven other browsers that we're going to discuss afterwards. And that's not everything. These are just the main alternative browsers. So what do you see as pros and cons, Safari, Chrome, and Firefox? Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of pros of Safari. <laughs> Ubiquity. Okay. It's on every Apple device. Uh, it's easy to sync. You sync with your iCloud account. So if you're in the Apple ecosystem, it's the easiest to use. Well, Safari does have the advantage of Apple's intelligent tracking prevention, they call it, um, which is their marketing term for the functionality that they use to reduce the amount of information that a website can get about your system to you potentially uniquely identify you. Um, so there okay. is that. That's that's something that comes standard with Safari. Um, beyond that, um, there's not a lot of features, I think, that really are impressive to me. Well, there's also handoff. Right. So if I'm looking at a web page in Safari and I open my iPhone, I can go to the same page. And that's really practical. You know, sometimes I work on my two Macs or my iPad and my Mac, and it's very useful to be able to do that, to be able to see the same page on, on a different device. Yeah. So, I, so I, I think we've covered probably most of the important points about Safari. What about Google Chrome? I guess the main disadvantage is the first word of its name. Google. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. Uh, so do you really want a company that makes most of its revenue from advertising and tracking people uh, to be your browser? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, my answer is no, by the way. Um, now, Chrome does have an advantage that we've mentioned in the past. It lets you use Flash Player, but that's changing. It'll be off by default. We said that a couple episodes ago. Um, I don't like the idea of using Chrome. I do come up with some web services that require Chrome, though. Uh, that won't work with Safari or Firefox. And these are more complicated services. Something I use for recording podcasts, for example, um, only works with Chrome. But other than that, I I just don't use Chrome. I, I avoid it unless I absolutely need it. Now, so this is a little bit surprising probably for somebody uh, like me who um, has a, a reputation of being very security and privacy oriented, but I actually do use a variation of Chrome, which we'll talk about later. But, um, but I, I do use Google Chrome, um, for a lot of my web browsing. Um, and the reason Shame on you, <laughs> the reason I do that is because, uh, I, I like the compatibility that it has across a lot of different websites. Um, and, uh, most of the time though, when I'm using Chrome, I'm actually using it in private browsing mode. So I, I have right. a certain set of tabs that I keep open all the time in a non private browsing mode. And th those are just kind of my standard sites. Uh, and then that where I need to stay logged in, by the way, that's, that's kind of the key thing there. 
Um, yeah. And then if it's anything else, if I'm looking at, you know, news stories or anything else, I open up a private browsing window and then I close the private browsing window when I'm done using it. And that way those, you know, news sites and others will not really be able to track me um, between visits to those sites or cross visits between multiple sites that use the same tracking technologies. Okay. Um, what about Firefox? Pros, cons? Um, I, I have always had Firefox on my Mac since it came out. It's always seemed a bit cranky, a bit old, a bit not modern. And, and I was using it recently for some reason, and it seems to have become a much more modern browser. Um, but again, I'm in the Apple ecosystem, and so why would I want to use a different browser when I've got my history, my bookmarks, and you know my logins, my passwords? And obviously, your passwords can go in a password manager, which goes as a plug-in to uh, Chrome or Firefox, um, but still, it's there's just why use something that's unfamiliar. Hmm. Well, you know, I I like Firefox. Um, one of the reasons I like it again, it's cross-platform. Um, we should mention here, by the way, that Safari used to be cross-platform with Windows as well. Um, Apple, although they um, haven't really done anything to notify users on windows that safari is no longer being updated it's actually been many years since the last time that they've updated safari for windows um so if you are still using safari on windows uh you better uninstall it because (laughs) it's got a lot of at this point a lot of really major security vulnerabilities and nobody should be using safari for windows anymore um but Chrome and Firefox are browsers that have been around for a long time on multiple platforms. And so you have a lot of users who are using Chrome or Firefox, one or the other. Um, actually, looking at uh, the, the most recent data from NetMarketShare, and I, and I did make sure this time that I'm looking at just one month. Thank you. Good. <laughs> uh, they, they say that Chrome has 67.9, almost 68% of the browser market share. And then number two is Firefox at uh, under 10%. Um, number three, by this the way. This is global. This isn't yes. just Mac and iOS. This is all platforms. This is all platforms, correct. Yeah. And so Internet Explorer, which, by the way, is an outdated browser as far as Microsoft is concerned because they've replaced it with Edge. But Internet Explorer is still at that set at number three slot at 7.7%, almost 8%. Um, and that's probably businesses that haven't updated from Windows 7 yet. Right. Or businesses maybe that could be running the latest version of Windows, but they're choosing to use Internet Explorer instead of Edge. <laughs> which is Microsoft's newer browser. Well, I'm thinking more likely businesses that don't want to upgrade because of the hassle of upgrading thousands of computers. Yeah, I'm sure there's... There is that inertia in, in the business market that does skew these statistics. Right, right. One quick point is people talk about which is the fastest browser, and every once in a while Apple touts this in one of their presentations, oh, it's faster than this, and it does 64 million squiggles a second or whatever it is. Have you ever really noticed a difference lately about one browser being faster or slower than another. I mean, with the with the processors we have in recent devices, any device made in the past five years, I just I wouldn't see it. Yeah, for for most web pages, uh, you know, they load relatively fast. Honestly, the thing that's going to make the biggest difference is whether you are blocking scripts and advertising and tracking and all that kind of stuff. If you 
either are using a browser that has built-in blocking for ads and tracking and so forth, or if you're using a browser extension to block those kind of things, your page is going to load a ton faster. Um, that's, because there's less data to download. Exactly. There's a lot less data, and also there's a lot less active content. A lot of times ads, you know, have things that that uh, are are running and taking up processing power. Um, you know, there's not flash is kind of uh, not really used as much as it used to be for advertising. Um, but now one of the things that we're seeing a lot more of is these, um, you know, videos that will pop up on a page and and start yeah. and load automatically. And that definitely can slow down your browsing experience. Especially if you have low bandwidth or if you're on mobile. Right. Okay, let's take a break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about seven different alternative web browsers. If you or someone you know has got a new MacBook or iMac or switched to the Mac from Windows, be sure to check out Intego's new Mac User Center. It's a one-stop collection of the things you'll need to know about using your Mac. Intego's new Mac User Center covers plenty of the basics to get you running smoothly and smartly in no time. Of course, one of the first steps you'll want to take is to install Mac security software from Intego to keep yourself protected. And right now, Intego Mac podcast listeners can get 50% savings on Intego software, including Mac Premium Bundle X9. Mac Premium Bundle X9 is a suite of terrific Intego software that includes the antivirus, anti-phishing, and anti-spyware protection of Intego Virus Barrier, home and hotspot firewall security from Intego Net Barrier, Parental controls for peace of mind from Intego Content Barrier, and much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today, and then use the promo code PODCAST19 at checkout to save 50%. That's PODCAST19 to save 50% on complete Mac protection and security with Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9. Intego. Devoted to protecting Apple products since 1997. Visit Intego.com today. Okay, so we talked about the big three, Safari, Chrome, and Firefox. And now we get to Josh's favorite subject, all the other browsers he uses on his devices. Um, I, I'll admit I just don't use them. As I said earlier, I use Safari everywhere. I use Chrome when I have to. Firefox kind of hangs around as like, a nostalgic reminder of what was Netscape back in the 90s, because it is a descendant of Netscape, which was, that was the second browser, wasn't it? What was the name of that first browser that came out before Netscape? Was it Mosaic? Mosaic, that's what it was. Yeah. Mosaic was the first, and then Netscape came out. And I remember I got Netscape, I think I was using it free because I was actually a student at the time. Um, I was doing a mid-career um, university degree, so I claimed that I was a student to be able to use it for free. Because <laughs> You remember back then you had to pay for web browsers? <laughs> oh, Seriously. Wow. Yeah. I, I think I, so when I got on the web, um, I think that it was probably Netscape Navigator was already out, uh, the early versions of Netscape Navigator. So yeah, I, I, and I don't remember having to pay for a browser at the time. But then again, my first internet service provider was AOL. So, you know, they, <laughs> they actually had a built-in browser in their app. So that's, that's right. Yeah. You were working through their app. Okay. So let's start. Um, I'm going to go in the order of the list that you've prepared for our show notes. Chrome Canary. Um, you mentioned this and you say, uh, this is to experience upcoming Chrome features before mainstream users. 
Mm-hmm. This is this is like leading edge beta stuff. I don't like recommending people use that unless they're web designers or developers. Apple has an app called Safari Technology Preview, which is similar, but this isn't something to recommend to average users, is it? Um, no. The, the, so Chrome Canary, the biggest problem that uh, if you, if you try using Canary, every once in a while you'll see some kind of bizarre things. There there will be certain. Um, sometimes glaringly obvious bugs. And uh, and if you're always using that bleeding edge version of the browser, then you're a lot more likely to run into bugs that the average user is never going to see with a regular version of Chrome. Um, now, that said, um, one of the reasons that I do like using it is because, uh, as, as you said, you get to experience some upcoming features. You get to see what everyone else is going to see in Chrome before everyone else gets to see it. So if there is a new interesting feature, I get to try it out first. Uh, that's one advantage of using Canary. But honestly, when it comes to security and privacy, there's not really much advantage of using Canary versus the regular version of Chrome. But what sort of features are you talking about? Uh, I mean, is there anything really important enough that makes a difference? It's not page flows, or maybe you're going to be a little bit faster. But anyway, that that's bleeding edge. And, and so that's because you're just one of these people who wants to know what's going to happen before it happens. Well, right? and so sometimes there are some privacy implications. For example, Canary, uh, long before the mainstream version of Chrome got this feature, um, Canary uh, already had uh, this very controversial thing from last year where um, they started, when, when you logged into your Google account, by default, um, it was logging you into the browser um, and right. it, 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 rather than just logging into that page. Um, and Okay, fair point. Yeah. So, so sometimes there are things like that that make it worth trying out first. So Chrome Canary is for Mac only. The next one on your list is for Mac OS and iOS, and it's called Brave. Is Brave just a fork of Chrome? Brave's rendering engine is uh, similar to what Google Chrome uses. It's actually based on Chromium. Um, and uh, it, there, are, there are a couple of different um, engines uh, that different browsers are based on. They might be WebKit, which is the one that Safari is most well-known for using, and uh, and then there's Chromium, which is what uh, Chrome is based on, and and some others. Um, so uh, so Brave is based on the same browsing technology under the hood in terms of page rendering as Google Chrome. Right. But what what really sets Brave apart is that um, it's designed with privacy first. And so it blocks ads and trackers by default. It's not something you have to enable as a feature or download an extension to enable. That's something that it does automatically. Um, it's, it's a free browser. Um, they say that they don't sell data to advertisers. Um, and um, it, it works pretty well. Uh, it also, by the way, it, for the real geeks, and this is not a default feature, but you can enable this, um, which of course I do because I'm a geek. It's blocking scripts uh, by default. Um, so when you load a web page, um, most web pages, by the way, now will break completely. There's a lot of functionality that's just not going to work. Um, but right, because they use JavaScript for <laughs> specialized types of page rendering. Exactly. And uh, well, and also uh, comment systems, you know, are using JavaScript. There's a whole bunch of things that are just not going to work. 
Uh, yeah, a lot of times, even just basic forms on a web page won't work if you have JavaScript turned off. Um, but when it comes to security, um, I, I actually prefer to have JavaScript off by default. And if I really need to use some functionality that's broken on a page with JavaScript off, then I can turn JavaScript on just for that particular website for that particular browsing session. Um, so on, I mainly use Brave actually on iOS. Um, and I actually hadn't even installed Brave on this Mac until just today, <laughs> just to, to try it out because um, it had been a while. But I use this as one of my main browsers on iOS because it gives me the flexibility of being able to block JavaScript by default. And as far as I know, it's it's certainly one of the few browsers that gives you that functionality on iOS. Okay. Um, it also has HTTPS everywhere. It blocks phishing and has fingerprinting protection, which are all great features. Um, let's move on to Opera. Opera's been around for a while. Uh, there's a macOS version. iOS has a version called Opera Touch, which is a little bit different. So uh, the Opera desktop browser has the built-in uh, VPN functionality, and Opera Touch doesn't have it. Does Opera have any other interesting features? Um, <laughs> I'm sure that there will be Opera fans who will uh, email us <laughs> and let us know all the reasons that uh, we should be listing here. But I think for the most part, Opera... Um, really, I think the biggest feature that they have on the desktop is this built-in VPN, which theoretically, um, is a privacy enhancement feature, which is why they offer it. Um, and there are some real important to note caveats about the built-in VPN on Opera on, on the, the desktop. You can't pick the country that you're showing up, uh, as being in. And so the biggest problem with that is that a lot of times, say, if you go to google.com or really just about any other page that's available in multiple languages, you're going to get a weird, you know, it might be in Thai, for example. It might just be in some yeah. in some language that you have no idea how to read by default. Um, that's that's a, a bit of a problem. It is a bit of a problem. So, so they're built in VPN. Although, if you want to learn some new languages, then maybe it could be helpful. <laughs> if you want to learn random languages, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so. Without looking this up, do you know when Opera was first released? No. When was it? The first release was in 1995. The first public release was in 1996. Ah, okay. It's that old. Yeah, it has been around a while. Okay. Um, I used Opera back in the day because it was like an alternative. This was before Chrome, and I stopped using it because, I don't know, Safari. Yeah. So Firefox Focus on iOS. You mentioned this, and you say in your notes it's pretty much the same as Firefox for iOS because there is an iOS version of Firefox. But Focus has ad and tracker blocking built in. Right. Um, so, and, and that's the reason why I think it's worth mentioning on this list. Um, we're, we're talking about, for example, Brave, which has, which blocks ads and tracking by default. And so if you're on iOS and you like Firefox on the desktop, um, w- there, there is one feature uh, that the regular version of Firefox on iOS um, can do, which is that synchronization that we were talking about, where you can keep your right. your uh, browser history, bookmarks, bookmarks and, browsing and history. all that. Um, yeah. But Firefox Focus is a little different in that, um, well, it has a different focus, haha, <laughs> because yeah. <laughs> yeah. because uh, Firefox Focus is designed to be like Firefox. It's the same type of experience. 
Um, but it's got the add and tracking blocking built in. So um, the idea is, you know, it, it makes pages load faster on your mobile device. Um, it probably will also save you data too, because you're not having to download as much stuff. Yeah. Uh, will that sync with the regular Firefox? Um, that I don't know. I, I need to try it out. Um, Firefox focus is not one that I've actually tried yet, but, um, but it is one that I think would be worth checking out if you're not currently using brave or one of these others on iOS, but you do want something that blocks ads by default. Firefox focus is probably worth looking into. Okay. So the next one is one that you've mentioned several times. It's called Waterfox. It is what a fork of Firefox. And one of the advantages here, which I think a lot of people will appreciate, is that it can use the older style Firefox add-ons. And Firefox, was it last year? They changed the way add-ons would work. Add-ons are like extensions and plugins. And a whole lot of old ones just broke and developers didn't want to update them. Right, exactly. Or they didn't have the ability to update them in some cases because uh, Firefox, the mainstream Firefox, now uses the same extension functionality as Google Chrome. Um, so um, basically, a lot of these old add-ons, some of them had really cool security and, and privacy features and a lot of them just don't work anymore in the mainstream Firefox. And so that's one of the main reasons that I really, I guess the main reason that I switched to Waterfox on the Mac um, is, you know, I like the way that some of these old extensions worked and I didn't want to give that up. And uh, so Waterfox was my solution for that. Um, there's some, but are these old extensions secure if they're old and haven't been updated? Some of them are still being updated by the developer. Um, okay. And, and some, um, are not necessarily still being updated, but aren't necessarily something that would be a security or privacy risk. There's another reason in your notes about why you would want to use Waterfox. It's compatible with older versions of Mac OS back to Lion, uh, which goes relatively far back compared to other browsers. Yeah, definitely. So at the same time, of course, we should remind our, our listeners that it's important to not use really old versions of Mac OS if you can help it, because, of course, they're not getting security updates anymore. But if for some reason you have to use a really old version of Mac OS then at least you should be using a browser that is still getting security updates, and Waterfox is one way to do that. Um, also, it has Mozilla telemetry stripped out, so uh, whereas the mainstream Firefox might be trying to track you in certain ways and reporting back to the Mozilla Foundation, uh, the developer of Firefox, Waterfox has that all stripped out, of course, too. Okay, Puffin for Mac OS and iOS. I've never heard of Puffin. Sorry about that. I've got my microphone wind protector there, and it's still getting the P in Puffin there. <laughs> um, Puffin has a web browser for iOS. They have a Puffin Browser Pro for iOS, which isn't free, and then Puffin Secure Browser for Mac, which isn't free. So all of the other browsers we were talking about were free, uh, and here's one where you actually have to pay for it. Right. Or at least a couple of variations of it. Yeah. So the main reason that I know about Puffin is because their main free browser for iOS, uh, which is just called Puffin Web Browser, um, has Flash Player 
as a as a built-in uh, option. So you can actually enable well, iOS. I didn't know Flash Player could work for iOS. Right. Yeah, I know. So that's that's what's unique about Puffin um, is that if you really need to go to a, f- a website that uses Flash on iOS, you can actually do that with the Puffin browser. Um, so, uh, so that's, that's, I, I would say the most unique functionality. And the only reason that I would even have this on the list, um, there is a pro version, like we said, uh, it's $5 one time on iOS and that has built in ad blocking. And then they also have a Mac OS version, which oddly is subscription, um, of $10 a year or $1 a month. And, um, they have some kind of dubious claims on their website that it blocks zero day vulnerabilities and things. I'm not so sure about that, but how do you prove that? You can only <laughs> prove that it's blocking them until it doesn't. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, um, anyway, so Puffin is another option. And again, the only reason it's worth mentioning here is really just that, uh, if you want to use flash on iOS, Hey, there's still an option or there actually is an option for that, which a lot of people don't even know about. Okay. And there's one more. Yeah. And you've included it on your list. And I don't know why, <laughs> but it's Microsoft Edge. And you, you say literally no reason to use unless you want to sync favorites, passwords, and your reading list with Windows 10. Yeah. It, it's just worth mentioning because if, you know, I don't know that we ha- necessarily have any listeners who are maybe using Windows at work or maybe you're using Windows at home. And, and, and maybe, who knows? Maybe. You, there are people who use Windows at home. They might not listen to this podcast, um, but it's not that uncommon. <laughs> right. But yeah. If you are using it at work and you might want to have the same, you might want to have the, the browsing history from when you were slacking off at work when you get back <laughs> home. Um, but other than that, there's really nothing about it that's worth using on the Mac. It's not, it's not native Mac. I mean, it is, but it's, it's not a Mac app. Right. And, and Microsoft Edge, uh, I mentioned earlier, this is the new replacement for Internet Explorer. So Microsoft is actually pushing everyone to use Edge now instead of Internet Explorer on Windows. And so they want Edge to give you a seamless experience on whatever device you're using. And so that's why they also have an iOS version. And just recently they released a Mac OS version as well. But yeah, not 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 something you need to to use unless unless you're using Windows. I don't see any reason to be using Edge, but it is there if you want it. Yeah. Okay, I think we've done a very deep dive on browsers here and there will be links to all of these in the show notes. There will be articles on the Intego Mac security blog uh, about macOS browsers and iOS browsers. And if any of our listeners are using any other browsers, uh, please write in and tell us what they are because we'd be curious to know why you're using them, particularly if you're listening to this podcast. You are security and privacy conscious. So let us know what you're using. Until next week, Josh, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts or in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the online show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software. Intego.com. <laughs>